the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Happy holidays. Thank you always so much for tuning in. Shout out to our super producer, Max, uh, the Atlanta Santa Williams. La, 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 indeed. Oh, Man, oh, you've been oh. back pocketing that one, Ben, just for the holiday time? Off the dome. Off oh, the dome. Very uh, impressive. My- freestyle days. Thank you, Noel. Uh, I am Ben Bullen. You are Noel Brown. Uh, This is, candidly, uh, this is a little bit of a weird therapy thing for me because I have kicked soda again, and it's crazy uphill. Yeah. I mean, I do it every now and again, just like for a treat, like the salami for the cats, if anyone uh, remembers that meme. Um, But by and large, I am a seltzer guy. Seltzer has replaced soda for me. Uh, I have a soda stream, but I never put in the um, I never put in the the syrups. Uh, I just like a good old fashioned, regular plain seltzer. Plain old seltzer is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ben, how's the dreams going? Oh, yeah, yeah. I meant to tell you about this. Noel has heard this from the last time I quit soda, but uh, the thing I didn't expect were the weird soda withdrawal dreams. Probably the strangest one was I was in a fight with a vampire, very like climactic Stephen King's Midnight Mass style. Okay. And then... uh, Partway through the fight, I'm like, you know, wave it, like fighting it off with like a quarter staff thing that has a cross on it. And partway through, the uh, vampire pauses and says, time out. And then it took from somewhere a can of Coca-Cola, opened it, and did the iconic Coke drink where you go, mm, ah. 
and then put it down and the dream continued. I had a sponsored ad in a dream. Well, the, yeah, that's we're not too far from that IRL, but not to like editorialize your dream too much, but wouldn't it have been fun if the vampire had just sunk his fangs into the can itself? That would have been a fun little twist. It would have. It would have. Speaking of vampires and being good at fighting, uh, I think all three of us have been uh, enjoying Skyrim lately. And in one of my very first journeys out into the wilds of Skyrim, I was attacked by a vampire. Mm. uh, And I guess they got a hit in because a little bit later, I kept getting a notification that you are starting to grow weary as the sun comes up and uh, (laughs) you have a strange craving. It's when they do that spell, they uh, mm. they kind of suck on you, yeah. like spell. Uh, they can give you a uh, vampiris. I forget what the name of it in Skyrim sure. world is. It, it, it seems to have subsided, though. I didn't really do anything about it. Did you, will you the pray will at the, an altar? No, I don't think I did. But maybe will the um, the the potion to cure all diseases fix that for you? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I must have done that then. It's one of these things that if you take care of it in, you know, a couple of days, it's fine. But if you kind of don't, you know, it's, it's like most things. If you don't take care of it, it can turn out really It'll bad. Some people yeah. go that route, though, right? Where they're like, I want to do this. And I guess I, I imagine if you service it correctly, it gives you special perks to some degree. But then you do have to feed on human blood. Without spoiling too, too much, Um yeah, I was very into the vampire quest line. I wanted to love the werewolves, uh, but I, I chose vampire and I've got you can become a vampire lord. Mm. And so you do get some you get some cool perks. Uh <laughs> they have their own boots, the vampire boots, all the their own armor, kit, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but sun. Yeah. Well, you can fix that problem too. Yeah, but one thing the vampires do not have in Skyrim, despite all their cool stuff, is soda pop. Because, you know, the world of Elder Scrolls in Skyrim is fascinating and endless and so cool, but it has a severe lack of soda. They have a lot of beverages, but they don't have carbonated stuff. Mead, Alto wine is a popular choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, you know, I, I think we are not allowed to just casually do this uh, out of nowhere, but I really love people from a certain part of the country that call soda uh, just pop. Oh, yeah. But, but I think that would be a little bit too much, of, uh, even a form of cultural appropriation, if we just started casually referring to uh, Coca-Cola as pop. I guess yeah, I could it. kind of, because I mean, we're from I'm, Michigan. You're a Michigander. I have family who call it pop. It's it's kind of cringe when I hear it. I honestly yeah. think it's just like, because it's with the Midwestern accent. It's very nasally. It's a little Mickey Mouse. Hat. You know what I mean? It's a little like, oh, shucks, right? It really well, is. There's also, I mean, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. So I've called, I've referred to it as pop. I still think that's better than, well, when I'm traveling there, I still think that's better than the tendency we see sometimes in the in the South to call every soft drink a Coke. Mm, I just call it soda. Um, but yeah, I do have to back walk back my uh, claim of, of of having kicked soda entirely. Uh, full sugar soda I have kicked entirely, but I do drink Diet Coke still on a pretty regular basis. Call them DCs. <laughs> nice. I like it. Uh, not to be confused with RC Cola, which we'll get a name check later in, in our exploration. Folks, soda pop is just amazing. 
it's not healthy. And a lot of people probably drink too much of it. I sure did back in the day, but can we blame them? If you, like us, uh, spent some formative years in the Georgia or Atlanta area, you're probably most familiar with Coca-Cola, but that is only the beginning of the story. The world of soda is wide and vast. We've been texting each other in our little group chat with sort of this remember this vibe, what happened to this one? And uh, it's it, the history of this is bu- bubbling to the brim with ridiculousness. So let's pop the top and get started. Maybe we talk with the terms like soft drink, soda, pop, etc. <sighs> yeah, I got to imagine just right off the rip that a soft drink refers to anything that like isn't alcoholic, you know, because mm-hmm. it's a soft, it's like it's for kids, you know, it's a soft drink. Also, it's a little bit of a backhanded almost diss kind of. It's like you're you're soft. One thing, uh, just another Skyrim reference, a, uh, a term of abuse thrown around a lot in that game is a milk drinker. Being right. a milk drinker means that you're a little baby boy who doesn't like to uh, consume or imbibe, you know, the hard stuff. My new uh, favorite my my new favorite anachronistic insult that I recently learned is calling someone fatherless. Jeez, mm, that's like that's kind of so like a bastard, hurtful. right? Yeah. yeah, it's 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 almost worse though. It's more direct. Yeah, it's worse than that. You know, like <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, use that one carefully, folks. Uh, <laughs> soft drink, Noel, you're absolutely right. Is an umbrella term for any number of non-alcoholic beverages. That's their primary commonality. They're usually carbonated, but not always. And they'll often, nowadays, they'll have some kind of angle, some some flavor profile. So it's not just uh, carbonated water. There'll be all kinds of natural or artificial flavors. They might add some juice if they're getting fancy. And there's almost always a sweetening agent, whether it's uh, corn syrup or actual cane sugar, et cetera. I love this term you threw into the doc here, Ben. Edible acids. Uh, that 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 seems <laughs> like an umbrella term in and of itself. <laughs> right. It could perhaps refer to things that might make you see stuff as well. There we go. Shout out to our our friends at the at Britannica. There, uh, we gotta we gotta do a history of the Britannica one day. That well, fun. and speaking of rule Britannia um, or Britannica, uh, you know, you'll often hear people referring to a uh, a soft cider in the UK as being you know ciders still have some alcohol in them, but they are a little bit of a lighter alcoholic beverage. So soft cider is a term I've seen used uh, a lot in like BBC stuff. Yeah, and there was another one historically. I think it was weak beer, which Mm. sounds kind of like an insult, but it was just a normal phrase back in the day. Weak sauce, man. Weak sauce. Weak sauce. And not everything that fits these commonalities counts as a soft drink because coffee is not a soft drink uh, or not referred to it, not referred to as one. Tea, milk, hot chocolate, uh, straight up vegetable or fruit juice, those don't count in general. Um, the the main thing is, as you described, uh, is that a soft drink was meant to be a distinguishing description from hard liquor. Absolutely. I mean, we certainly know too, uh, historically, there was a time where people drank beer, you know, like water because of the fact that the fermentation process killed all the bad stuff that would have been in the normal water supply. So, you know, especially in like Nordic times or whatever, you know, you'd have people that were just staying toasty all day long because it was really the only alternative to drinking, uh, you know, kind of putrefied water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's kind of like uh, the choice between dysentery and, and day drinking. 
and history decided for a while, right? Man, I, there, there, there should be a rapper with the name uh, MC Dysentery, but like spell uh, it like a diss, you know? Nice. I, I like that one. That's a good one. I'll, also, uh, there was a really interesting uh, cherry-picked historical fact I found, and I haven't verified it, but someone was like, when uh, when the Irish first discovered whiskey, they didn't do anything for 200 years. It was like man <laughs> discovering fire, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, fire, water. And uh, it's strange because going into this, I don't know about you guys, but I think a lot of people would assume that soda pop is a pretty recent invention, but the story really starts back in the 1700s, and the idea of carbonating stuff is way, way older. That's right. Um, beer and champagne, of course, are both alcoholic beverages that are best enjoyed uh, carbonated. Or actually, the the I believe the very process of the fermentation creates some amount of carbonation, if I'm not mistaken. Right? It gives you sort of a natural amount of bubbles. Uh, those drinks, of course, have been around for centuries. By the 17th century, uh, street vendors in Paris were selling uh, lemonade, which we know has its own story. I believe we've done a history of lemonade and lemonade stands. Uh, and also ciders uh, were not that hard to come by either. But the very first drinkable man-made glass of carbonated water wasn't uh, around until more along the lines of the 1760s. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to, what was that episode? Rise of the Clown Pants? Oh, yes, sir. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, boy. That, was a, that was a gross one. Uh, check it out, though. It's a good classic. Um, and yeah, I love the idea. You know, People refer to often as one of their favorite characteristics of a soda pop uh, or of a seltzer is that burn of the of the carbonation. People call it the bite and the burn. Um, and it was referred to back in the day as sort of a being almost spicy. And I have heard little kids say, ooh, that's spicy. But spicy they're referring water. to more the way it hits the throat, you know? Yeah, and that that sensation of effervescence was a, a huge factor in the creation of modern soda pop because in the days of the Greco-Romans, people believed that natural mineral water had curative medicinal properties because you feel the little bubbles. It mm -hmm. feels like something is happening, so people assumed it was good. If people thought the effervescence, if they assumed that tingly feeling was bad, then we might not have soda pop. Yeah, it's almost like it feels like it's doing something. You know, it feels like uh, there are uh, curative properties at work. Um, and, you know, mineral water is still around today, of course. You know, Perrier and San Pellegrino have a little bit more mineral content in them because I believe of the source. Uh, in some, you know, carbonated water, they believe they come out of the ground carbonated. You know, there are these like kind of bubbling springs where that stuff comes out like that. If I'm not mistaken, I might be overstating the case. There. I, no, you're correct, I think. and uh, And so... In this milieu, pioneering soft drink inventors wanted to reproduce this health-enhancing quality or perception. They wanted to make really kind of a patent medicine, and they first started using chalk and acid, edible acid, we assume, to carbonate water. Chalk. 
Weird. Okay. So the first uh, soft drinks that were actually mass marketed uh, came around in the 17th century uh, as a mixture of water and lemon juice um, with a little bit of honey added to sweeten the deal. Uh, in 1676, the uh, uh, Compagnie de Limonadiers uh, was formed in uh, Paris and granted a monopoly. They were given a monopoly to produce and sell the, these products. And vendors would carry around tanks of the stuff on their backs like a like a early uh, predecessor to the camelback uh, from which they dispensed these cups of lemonade that would you know they'd reuse the cups mm-hmm. and everybody knew when they started working on soda as a concept everybody knew the primary thing was the bubbles that is how you made it feel official and medicinal and a lot of people worked on just the concept of carbonation. We're talking about academics. We're talking about independent scientists kind of doing their Renaissance man thing. Uh, you you can see the first time someone used the term gas to talk about this carbon mm. dioxide stuff. That was a Flemish scientist named Jean Baptista van Helmont. Oh my gosh, what a great name. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. (laughs) 
you know, it's funny. In Germany, um, carbonated water is referred to as mit gas. That just means with, with <laughs> right. gas, with, with bubbles. And also, guys, isn't it funny how if you uh, accidentally drink some Coke that has gone flat— it is disgusting. Oh, the yeah. bubbles make all the difference. It's a psychological thing. It's weird. It's literally making you think that something tastes better than it actually tastes. It's an illusion of the mind. An illusion of the mind. Yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right because soda shares something, uh, a similar quality to French fries, right? They're good while they're fresh. Mm-hmm. And then they turn into just regular Oddly cut potatoes. They right. let them get cold. <laughs> so there's a, a guy named Robert Boyle who occurs in the stories of philosopher and scientist. He later helps found modern chemistry. He talks about mineral waters in a book with a cartoonish title, Short Memoirs for the Natural Experimental History of Mineral Waters. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah, yeah. That was in 1685. And in that book, there were sections about examining some of these mineral springs that we were talking about um, and, you know, looking into the properties that this water uh, contained, um, as well as their effects on the human body. And to quote the book uh, of the imitation of natural medicinal waters by chemical and other artificial whys. This is like old English stuff at its finest. Chemical, C-H-Y-M-I-C-A-L and whys as uh, W-A-Y-E-S. So let's uh, fast forward a little bit to talk about the kind of rise of the soda industry. Yeah, okay. There's a guy named Joseph Priestley. Uh, He was an English clergyman and a scientist. And his street name now is the father of the soft drinks industry because he demonstrated how you could take the fermenting vats from a brewery and experiment with the gas that they created, like you're saying, during the fermentation process. So it's 1772. He's hanging with the College of Physicians in London, and he says, look at this. I've made a, a carbonated apparatus, and if only I had a pump, I could have more high impregnation of fixed air within the water. <laughs> I mean, he basically invented the uh, the prototype for the soda stream. Right, right. You know, because, really I mean, did. it's so cool. It's also like, if it's fun. It's like almost like doing your own little science project at home. You get these cans, these, these, well, I guess these kind of um, metal tanks, miniature tanks of uh, CO2, and then you put it in, uh, you put the bottle in, and it essentially imbues, you know, or injects the water with this gas, and then it creates carbonated water. Mm-hmm. And this this is all interesting, right? This is all very TED talky. Look at the world we could create in the future, but it's still just uh, a series of proofs of concept. The brand of soda, the first like production of carbonated water comes from a guy named Thomas Henry and he cribbed Priestley's work or he, uh, we should say he read it and then he applied it. He made his water in these 12 gallon barrels and then someone heard about Priestley, someone heard about Henry, someone heard about some other guys. Uh, one of the main characters in the history of soda, Jacob Schwepp, a Swiss jeweler who said, hey, I can play along at home. He started selling his artificial mineral waters, still unflavored, uh, to people in Geneva where he lived. And then later he started his own business in London, which makes Schweppes super old and the oldest soda brand still around today. 
it's honestly still one of the best, you know. I think the the uh, the ginger ale, Schweppes ginger ale, is you know pretty um, universally considered one of the best, and it's uh, it's just the most popular one you see on the shelf. Mm. You'll see Seagrams every now and then, but it's funny how like even Coca Cola. I mean, Coca Cola purchase. I believe Coke and Pepsi they own uh, Schweppes and um, uh, Seagrams respectively. I can't remember which owns which, but they didn't make it themselves because this pre-existing legacy company had already kind of cornered the market and the recipe on ginger ale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Schweppes in this regard reminds me a little bit of Henry Kissinger, Jimmy Carter, because it outlived so many of its competitors and rivals. Mm -hmm. Some folks will tell you there's another uh, another brand that deserves the title of first soda or oldest soda. And that's something called Verner's, which comes about Verner's, yeah, the legend those is are really popular War. in certain. I believe in in Michigan, Detroit, probably. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah they're exactly. very big in Michigan. That's a very, very, very popular. They make popular a spicy thing. one, if I'm not mistaken. Incredibly spicy. Mm -hmm. It's great. And like, so, I don't drink soda at all, but like you know, I I will have a Verner's, a fresh Verner's. Just don't get the two liter of it because after you crack it open, it goes from spicy to not. That's yeah, and then the it's just starts. then it's just weird, gross, spicy flavored water. Exactly, and and also, so we want to give Verners their due, uh, and we want to note that in the great Schwepp Verners debate, it really depends on how we define soft drink, and there have been some serious debates about it. You can find them online. It's amazing how people spend their time. Uh, <laughs> Don't <laughs> this, we know it? Right? Yeah. I mean, look at us, right? So uh, this was again mostly. These kinds of drinks were considered medicinal, and people would make different grades of carbonated water. There was a letter written by uh, a business tycoon named Matthew Bolton to the philosopher Erasmus Darwin in 1784. And uh, Noel, I thought you would enjoy this where they break down the types of carbonated water. Yeah, Jay uh, Schwepp uh, prepares his mineral waters uh, in three varieties. Number one, for common drinking with dinner. Number two, for ne nef nephritic, nephritic patients. Help me out with that one, Bill. Uh, kidney problems. Got it. Okay. And because once again, we're still leaning into the medicinal aspect of these products at this point. And number three contains the most alkali given only in more violent cases. I don't know what that means. I don't either. <laughs> <So> <laughs> What is, uh, use your imagination. You are fatherless and a violent case. Yes, you have a violent <laughs> kidney. So these things were humming along, but we still haven't reached the age of modern soda quite yet. The first U.S. patent for the creation of what they called imitation mineral water comes around 1810. That's so funny because it really is, they're trying to duplicate, again, from the earliest days, the effects of a very natural process. So I love that, that, you know, the whole idea for this racket comes from nature. Um, so, yeah, to your point, uh, the first U.S. patent uh, comes through around 1810. Then in 1819, a guy named Samuel Schwanstock creates the modern day, roughly, soda fountain. Yeah, which is cool because it's older than I thought. I guess I assumed it was late 1800s or post-Civil War. But they were people were already expanding all aspects of this industry. Nobody knows to this very day. Nobody knows exactly who started adding flavoring and sweeteners to soda. And no one knows exactly when they did it. But we know that by the late 18th and early 19th century, people were already selling wine 
with carbonated water. They were like, you want the That's wine? That's weird to me. It I don't know why. Weird. I mean, I guess champagne, you know, honestly, unless it comes from the champagne region uh, right. of France, uh, it's usually just considered a sparkling wine. So a white, but can you imagine drinking carbonated red wine? That seems just wrong. I saw, I, I, I saw someone at a party, I want to say, who was drinking some kind of like, Diet Coke red wine thing. Which That's is, a thing. I have heard about that. Yeah, okay. Coke and red wine is a thing. Maybe I'll try it. Um, what do you does, guys think of those people who put coffee in their Coke? Yeah, I actually just heard about that watching a, a new show uh, called Murder at the End of the World um, from, oh gosh, the, the, the woman um, and her directing partner who did like Another Earth and uh, Sound of My Voice and the OA. It's good. But uh, there's a whole scene involving a character putting Coke into their coffee or, or vice versa. And then the, the other person in the scene tries it and finds it disgusting. But you may recall there was a brief period where Coca-Cola had a coffee yeah. Coke hybrid. Yeah. It was not black, wanted, right? He was, was black. I wanted to like it. It was not good. It was not good. I don't know how that got off the drawing board, but, but well, cause I think it's one of those things like people just do and they're like, well, what if we just give it to them, give the people what they want? But it turns out maybe there aren't that many people that want that. Yeah. Maybe their sample size was weird. Maybe they talked only to the 12 people who like that, but it, it, we say that as co coffee lovers folks, by the way. So we know that Coke, when they made Coke black and when Pepsi makes Pepsi clear and all those things, they're really just doing iterations of a centuries old phenomenon, which is adding flavors and any kind of kick to, to regular old seltzer water. Ginger becomes popular in 1820 as a flavoring, then lemon, and then tonic. Well, until your point about the soda fountain, you know, what we have today that are still referred to as fountain drinks, all of that stuff is mixed kind of by machine or like by these, you know, this, this process where it just injects the, uh, the, the um, flavoring into the carbonated water, which is also why you'll find that a fountain drink version of a, of a particular soda tastes different a lot of times than the canned or, or bottled version because it's the, the mix isn't always uh, scientifically <laughs> accurate. Um, yeah. Um, but the soda fountain early days, it was, you know, a, a person that was hand mixing these things, you know, like the, the old soda jerk. Also, not to turn anybody into germaphobes, but a lot of the variance in soda in soda from a fountain depends on whether or not the fountain is clean. Exactly. You ever had like a Diet Coke from a soda fountain and it tastes a whole hell of a lot like regular Coke? That's because there's some, uh, what's the word, um, uh, contamination going on there. Mm -hmm. And people quickly realized that they could, with relatively little effort, they could turn one product line of plain old seltzer water into a panoply of different spicy flavored drinks, uh, pineapple, orange, lemon, apple, just like picture a fruit. And at some point, someone decided it should also be a soda. Yeah. Now, you know, we've again with the kind of uh, craze of, uh, you know, just seltzers. Uh, one joke that I always love to repeat. I don't remember where I heard it, but they say like LaCroix flavored LaCroix tastes like somebody whispered the name of a fruit from the next room. Yeah, lemon. Yeah, whatever, take with that, do it with it what you will. But of course, these, uh, you know, syrup-based drinks. Have you guys ever had the limoncello 
Uh, I hate whatever. it. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, there, there, there's no whisper in that. That's why no, I it's too much. Up. It's too heavy, and it tastes more like oil, like a le- like it's, it's like you're drinking uh, essential oils or something. It's I'm not also, sweet. Yeah, I'm also just to be honest. I'm I'm not the biggest fan Lacroix is ever going to have. I respect people's right to enjoy what they want, but I'll just drink water and then eat whatever fruit that stuff purports oh, to be. That's flavored. smart. I like Polar. I think better than Lacroix. Polar's, Polar's pretty, pretty good. good. They're uh, black is- cherry. Montaigne's is a local uh, seltzer company. Outfit here in the land, but what I was saying, uh, the, the 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 syrups in question here that were being used in 1865, um, incredibly sweet, and that was by Very design. Sweet. You yeah. know, like that was the whole idea. It was really like a treat kind of a drink, and they're figuring it out. As they go, as we say in corporate America, they're sort of building the plane while they're flying it, and they make a lot of great breakthroughs. But of course, there are also a lot of mistakes along the way. Probably the most infamous mistake in the history of soda occurs in 1885, when a guy named Charles Alderton, who must have been having a terrible day, invents something that is called Dr. Pepper. It was originally called Waco, and people are still drinking it of their own volition. You don't like it? I mean, if you're going to have that many ingredients, make a couple of them not poop. Fair enough. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. We'll get to it. But um, to me, Dr. Pepper always, I think it was, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, what is this supposed to taste like? It's vaguely black cherry, but sort of not. Um, let's hear more about this, Ben. I, I'm intrigued. This is, this is the side note. Yeah, I, I'm really glad you, you talked about the, the taste. This is, this is so weird, uh, but we do know what. Alderton was attempting to do with Waco, now known as Dr. Pepper. The story is, I don't know how true this is, but the story is that he was working uh, in a in a pharmacy and he was trying to recreate the he wanted the the soda to taste the way that the pharmacy smelled. Isn't that weird? Okay, so medicinal, like cleaning product, like bleach. What are we talking about here? I uh, see. There's a uh, there's a method to the madness, Noel. There's a reason that I'm I'm dunking on Dr Pepper. Also, I'm leaning into it. I I just sure. think it's kind of funny, but uh, but yes, uh, and you know, honestly, Dr Pepper went on to have a, an amazing uh, product career, but the whole game changed. Very shortly afterwards, uh, in eight, like Dr. Pepper invented 1885, just one year later, a guy in Atlanta, Georgia, in 1886, he invents something called Coca-Cola. And he does it, uh, the rumor is, to help him kick his morphine habit. Oh, weird. What's right? the guy's name again? I always forget the Coke guy's name. Uh, John Pemberton. Pemberton, that's right. Um, so, yeah, you've got some nice... Uh, uh, Let's call them honorifics, I guess. Uh, you've made up for this fellow. <laughs> the Gretzky of Guzzle. Oh, uh, the Tiger Woods of Tonic Water. Uh, the Kobe Bryant of Soda. Yeah, no, accurate. This guy really did change the game. Uh, for better or worse, in 1886, John Pemberton uh, did just that. He invented Coca-Cola, and the history of Coke is rife. You know, we've all heard the rumors uh, that are largely true that the original recipe of Coca-Cola did, in fact, contain uh, cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to the cola nut, um, not to be confused with koala nuts. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah also, cocaine had a, a, a much less sinister reputation. Yeah. It the, gave you pep. Yeah. It gave you a little zip. It was in a lot of stuff back then. It sure was. It a was lot of medicine. So many things. A lot. A lot of whoosh, whoosh, medicine. Yeah. And this, 
all happens during a period of rapid expansion. By 1860, there are 123 bottling plants for soft drinks in the U.S. And then uh, just 10 years later, there are 387. By 1900, there are almost 3,000 different plants just making soda. Yeah, popular stuff. Uh, it really did kind of kick off a bit of a craze. Um, but still doesn't quite explain the absolutely meteoric rise of, of soda and how it just became such a staple. Um, and believe it or not, uh, we really owe um, a lot of credit to the temperance movement. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. The idea of being a teetotaler and uh, soda being sort of a um, mandated, um, I guess, substitute for alcoholic beverages. People needed something to take the edge off. Uh, and it did contain, you know, chemicals, you know, caffeine, uh, sugar, obviously. It made you feel something. It's better than, you know, not drinking. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the These party police, I, 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 here's how I picture it. I picture it like they're kind of militant. They had a reputation. 
Oh, for... I'm sorry. They, they had cocaine in them, too, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. They really did make you feel something back then. <laughs> right, Please, carry, right. carry on. Carry uh, on. There, it, it's weird because I'm picturing in my mind uh, a meeting of teetotalers, and they're worried about their public image. And they're like, guys, people are saying that we're not fun. And they're like, well, don't listen to them. They're drunk. And they say, no, we need something. We need something positive. So we're not a movement that's just dedicated to eradicating something. We need an alternative. So let's get the kids hanging out at pharmacies and selling soft drinks at soda fountains. Uh, that made those places wholesome social hang spots, like going to a community center or something. And then that made, in the teetotaler calculus, that made bars and later speakeasies even worse. These were like the last refuges of lowlifes and degenerates before they reached the grave. I mean, they're not wrong. You know, there are certain uh, type of dive bar situations that are the uh, sort of roosting places for, you know, uh, the problematic elements, you know, folks that are maybe what you might call problem drinkers. Um, you're more likely to see a fight or, or a knifing, you know, break out in one of these spots than you would say at a uh, soda fountain or what oh, do you yeah. call it? Like, uh, I feel like I've worked in many of these places. Yeah, you certainly have, Max. That's where we first became acquainted with one another. You you worked at a pretty reputable joint, um, but there are certain spots that, you know, especially in bigger cities um, where you may well not be welcome if you're not a known quantity. I actually got to jump in here because I le legitimately cannot remember the name of this place in Chicago, so I can't really slander them. But there's this bar in Chicago and it's cash only. And you have to, I forget, like, there's a way to get in, but there's like the big thing about it is it's everyone knows like everything they're doing inside is illegal. Like they're selling like booze, like after hours, you can't smoke inside at any building in mm -hmm. Chicago. People are just uh. chain smoking. And there's all the signs up front that say like, Oh, all this stuff. But it's just so funny to walk in. Cause it's like, there's this facade and everyone knows this is a total facade. But as soon as you walk in, it's like, Nope. And the one thing is all the bartenders are all really old and they're all really mean. Yeah. There's a, uh, I've seen I've seen similar things like um, in London. I stumbled onto a place through through contact, uh, and it was you were able to smoke cigarettes inside. Probably other stuff too. I didn't stay too long. It was a weird vibe, and they were doing after hours things. And their loophole was that they are a private club or they're a private property kind of thing, so they're not quote unquote open to the public. And, I think uh, they had something similar to that, but I think their loophole was they uh, had um, some hands in organized crime. Yeah, ah, there you go. America. Not unusual. And yeah, I mean, of course, you know, we talk about these speakeasies, right? And once, uh, uh, you know, the temperance movement took hold and the laws changed and alcohol was illegal, um, that did become a hotbed of organized crime. A lot of these locations were run by, you know, the mob or mob-like elements. Mm -hmm. And just like with bootlegging, transportation played a big role in the rise of soda because for a while... You could only get this stuff if you were living in proximity of some sort to a factory and there was a horse-drawn carriage that could reach you. But now all of a sudden we have gas-powered trucks and automobiles. The American shipping industry is experiencing a revolution and the reach of soda extends as well. So by 1920, the U.S. alone is home to more than 5,000 bottling plants. And that's all they do day in, day out. They make weird sodas. The first vending machines come along. They put soda into cups. And I can't say cups for some reason without remembering that amazing meme of the lizard 
drinking out of cups. I think mm-hmm. we talked about this on Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Oh, it's classic. Not all of it aged well, but it's so funny. Okay, so let's take a quick pause uh, in the history to talk a little bit more about process. We talked about injecting the bubbles, you know, into uh, still water um, to kind of mimic the effects and qualities of this naturally carbonated stuff. But, you know, these early processes were much more, you know, kind of single serving, right? We're now in a situation where we've got to mass produce this stuff. So uh, how, how how does the technology start to evolve to meet the demand? Oh, yeah. It starts with the water, of course. Uh, Often that's coming from a safe, processed municipal supply. But just to be certain, uh, these companies also will process it further. So it's weird without getting too in the weeds. Sometimes they just run it through a sand filter to get rid of uh, Hmm. solid matter. And then uh, they run it through an activated carbon purifier to get rid of chlorine, color, and other taste or odors, except in the case, of course, of Dr. Pepper, where I think they just go to a sewer and start scooping stuff up with a ladle. How do you really feel about Dr. Pepper? (laughs) We had to pick one. We had to pick one to dunk on. Max is giving a thumbs down. Wait, Max, are you the Dr. I don't know. I, I, I don't drink soda at all. No, I hate Dr. Pepper because they have like the most annoying commercials of all time that play nonstop during college football. I've also adopted this thing where I don't buy products that advertise during college football. Ah. Fair enough. So I've continued to not buy Dr. Pepper. In it case. is a reasonable bias. It is not something that I necessarily reach for when I'm having my little soda treat. Um, but I don't hate it, perhaps, as much as you guys do. And there are better versions of it. Like, uh, what Pip. is it? Um, you know, jeez, uh, not Verner's, but there's another. You see him at, like, cool, like, delis, like, in New York. It's got this weird bearded man on the, on the oh, front. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the guy's name like um, Verner's, but they have a really good black cherry. Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown's good. That's not the one I'm thinking of, but that is very similar, very much in the same wheelhouse. They also, Dr. Brown's has an excellent black cherry soda. Um, So of course, all of this starts, like you said, with water. Oftentimes, as we know, even with bottled water made by these these uh, soda magnates that they got into the business, of, hey, let's just sell the stuff that we make the stuff out of. Uh, it just comes from the good old fashioned municipal water supply, um, though it is it is oftentimes pro- processed a little bit further uh, in order to maintain some sort of standards uh, for the finished product. Impurities within water supplies for different parts of the country and municipalities can, of course, vary. Uh, from time to time. And there are allowable levels of impurities that can vary as well by municipality. Yeah. So in most plants these days, the water is going to go through a process called superchlorination and coagulation. For two hours, the water gets exposed to a cartoonishly high amount of chlorine and to something called a flocculant. Uh, Flocculant is just a fancy word for a thing that removes algae and bacteria. And then it goes back through this sand filter carbon thing. But at that point, you still don't have something you can you can sell as soda. You need the bubbles. You need the magic. And I'll be honest, this got me watching the old school Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It holds up, man. It's really good. So now we've we've purified the water to some degree. Let's talk about how we get those bubbles, which is kind of the 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 feature of the whole product uh, into said water. Carbon dioxide gas uh, gives these beverages that sparkle, that bite, um, and also it it makes it more shelf stable, doesn't it? 
Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. And the carbonation is created by chilling the liquid and then cascading it in thin layers over a series of plates in this enclosure that has pressurized carbon dioxide gas. It's a really cool, like, how stuff gets made opportunity. You know, you can see videos of this on YouTube. And the amount of gas the water will absorb depends on how high the pressure is and how low the temperature is. So it's fascinating science. We're still not done. Now we've got basically seltzer, our imitation mineral water, but everybody's selling seltzer. How do we zhuzh it up a little? How do we add Mm -hmm. some... So this an angle, you know? Yeah, syrups, right? And, you know, of course, we've got syrups that are naturally occurring, like maple syrup, uh, you know, from the sap of, of the maple tree. Um, but when you're talking about uh, concentration of flavor, you know, to get that sort of essence of like a, a particular type of flavor, be it lemon, black cherry, uh, raspberry, or what have you, we're talking about creating this stuff. First, you have a simple syrup, which is a great thing in and of itself. I'm a big fan of using simple syrup in iced coffee or even regular coffee, which is basically just cooking down sugar uh, into sort of a more viscous solution, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a solution of water and sugar. And you can take some other steps. You can treat this simple sugar with carbon. You can filter it if sugar is not, you know, top quality. And all the other ingredients are added in a precise order to create what's called the finished syrup. This is where stuff like a secret recipe comes in because it's not just what you put in, it's when you combine these things, your order of operations. Oh, yeah, hence the Willy Wonka-ness of it all. Uh, And there are two methods for producing um, that finished syrup. In the first method, uh, the syrup is diluted with water and then the product gets cooled, uh, carbonated. It's cooked, right? Like I said, with making the simple syrup. And then it's cooled down, carbonated, uh, and bottled. Um, And in the second, the maker actually measures a precise amount of syrup into each bottle. You got the carbonated water separately, then you fill it with the syrup or add it in first, then, you know, dilute it with the carbonated water. In either case, the sugar is about 51 to 60% of the syrup. Um, And it is reduced to around 8 to 13% in the finished beverage. So it is uh, considerably, um, I guess, packing a lot of punch. Uh, It's a very uh, dense, like it's like dark matter, you know, when it comes Mm -hmm. to flavoring, right? Yeah, yeah. If you ever... If you ever worked in a restaurant or hospitality industry, uh, you may have heard of people who just tried the straight syrup. It's very much not as cool as the soda. It's just too concentrated, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and one 12-ounce soft drink can contain more than 40 grams of sugar Jeez. as a result here. That's a lot of sugar. Right. Yeah, you ever seen those images in like health class where it's like it shows you the pile of sugar, the like physical pile of sugar that would go into it? Forty grams of sugar physically to to look at is is a freaking anthill of sugar. You I know? saw I saw Bernie Sanders, the politician Bernie Sanders, recently, and his um his rant for the day was soda and children and he had like a 20 ounce coca-cola oh, bottle that, buddy yeah and he was he had a 20 ounce coca-cola bottle and he's like this single bottle of coca-cola alone contains 14 teaspoons of sugar that's far more than is uh, recommended or even allowed for children that's- 
That's 10% of the 5% of the 1% of the allowable limits of sugar intake for the American people. And then he, I, I'll be honest. I left his percentages. It's a yeah. Bernie Sanders uh, catchphrase. And, he, and shout out to uh, who, whatever genius is cutting his hair. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm personally. I, hey, he does. He just kind of just runs his fingers. I, through I just it, find, I find him just uh, such a fascinating historical the figure. The mittens are the best thing ever. It was the uh, Biden's, the what? Inaugur- the Biden's inauguration. He wore these mittens. Mittens. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mittens. He had I was all memed. These- he had all, all these Sunday. papers and stuff. And they got him on. Uh, Colbert got him on, like right after his asked him, and he's like, he like said who it was, and then he very quickly like tried to retract it because he's like, everyone's like flooding this woman asking for more, and she just yeah. made she like knitted them for him, and yes. like everyone's like, yeah. can we get some of these or something? And she's like, no, this is just something I did. I like to knit. <laughs> yeah, Bernie's so, a mensch, though. He, yeah. yeah, he really is. He always looks like uh, in so many appearances, I. I can't disassociate him from his cousin's fantastic show, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I always feel like he's sort of in a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode when I see him They were like distant cousins, though, I think, right? Yeah, Yeah. they're not like one-to-one. It's nice to to say, though. Yeah, they they definitely have a vibe that they share. So we've got this mega, mega concentrated flavor, you know, crack that is now, you know, uh, injected into the carbonated water. Yeah, and and look, uh, politics aside, our pal Bernie is absolutely correct about the health concerns surrounding soda. It's delicious. It's interesting. It's a it's a heck of a treat, but it is not healthy. And here we're going to pause, not for a soda break. We're staying strong throughout this episode, uh, but this is going to have to be a two-parter because we're setting up the history, some of which is ridiculous, but we have yet to get to the most ridiculous part, which is the sodas of yesteryear. That's right. And the yeah, there's a, a lot of interesting history there, too, and just a lot of absurd marketing uh, that goes into this kind of stuff. And we'll talk a lot about the nostalgia factor of it all as well. Huge thanks to to uh, super producer Max Williams, his brother, Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Big, big thanks to Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. Big, big thanks to A.J. Jacobs, a.k.a. The Puzzler. Uh, check out our friends over on Ridiculous Crimes, Aaron, Elizabeth, and Dave, if you want to hear more ridiculous, often heist-related history. Uh, and I'm hoping that we can, uh, we've been talking about forever, but I'm hoping we could get a crossover going with them in the new year. I think that's definitely going to happen. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? we are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills, into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.